great stories told by great personalities. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It's 17 minutes after 8, you're still on the talk shop. So we're talking social surrogacy, women choosing not to carry their own babies. And I have on the line Robin Friedman. Robin is an attorney and the founder of the Surrogacy uh, Advisory Board. She's also a mother of a surrogate-born baby. Robin, good evening. Welcome to the talk shop. Hi, thank you very much. So let's, I mean, did I define social surrogacy correctly? How do you define it? Well, um, yeah, I think you have defined it quite, quite correctly. Um, just one note um, of correction is that I wasn't, in fact, the founder of the Surrogacy Advisory Group, but I actually joined them a couple of years ago. Okay. And it's grown since then. Okay. All right. So what work are you doing with them? Um, what we do is, um, I'm the Chief Advisor for the Surrogacy Advisory Group, and what we do is we um, I, I monitor all the online inquiries, both um, both locally and abroad, with regards to surrogacy in South Africa. And we offer um, online free advice and take um, potential parents as well as surrogate, surrogate mothers through the process. Mm. And what we also do is when a surrogate mom approaches us and offers, offers um, services to become a surrogate mom, we will then introduce her to a couple free of charge and so there's a lot of matching that takes place which we, we all carry as a service to to the insert our community yeah, I don't know how you're going to do this but maybe talk, I, don't, I don't know if you can give us numbers but um, on average you know how many how many calls are you getting whether that be a month or a year how common is surrogacy in South Africa that's that's what I'm trying to get to Okay, I think surrogacy has um, grown in popularity. Um, I, I found that there's been, um, it's become quite a big trend since the um, approval of the legalization of um, gay marriages. Mm. You'll find a lot of your gay um, gay couples are now going into surrogacy as opposed to adoption because of all the complications associated with adoption and the difficulties in, in um, obtaining an adopted child. Um, and this is a very, it's a much more favourable um, method for most couples in that the child is at least biologically related to one of the parties and mm. therefore pre- pre- uh, preferred. And we get a number of um, online inquiries on a daily basis. We've had a number of babies born um, through the surrogacy advisory group. Um, there's been at least 20 or more or more babies born over the last few years. Mm. Um, but it's just, you know, for it's, it's not for couples who just don't feel like pregnant, being pregnant. It's not, it's not there for the situation where you have a career woman or a professional model and she doesn't want to damage her body. Surrogacy is only for um, people who have a serious medical condition. Okay. And they have to have a permanent and irreversible medical condition before they qualify. So if I'm concerned about my figure in South Africa legally, I cannot, I, I cannot choose surrogacy just because I'm, I'm worried about keeping my figure. Absolutely not. It's never going to get approved okay. by the High Court of South Africa. All right, that's interesting. Okay, so um, that's 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 some clarification there. Thank you so much for uh, for, for for just educating us on that one. Um, you talked about gay couples uh, mostly using this service. For what reasons would couples, heterosexual couples, then come forward and say this is this is what we'd like to do? Okay, so in most instances with a heterosexual couple, um, you have um, the female partner, partner who is um, infertile, and there can be many reasons for this. 
Um, we've had many couples of, of approach us on the basis of some form of serious medical condition. For example, women who have breast um, have had breast cancer, and they're on various very serious medication. For example, tamoxifen that would um, affect the fetus long term. Mm. We've had women who have had kidney and liver transplants, and obviously being pregnant would um, cause pose too much risk to the pregnancy. Um, I've had a client with cystic fibrosis, and that became a very big um, high court application because um, there was quite a big onus on us to prove that her medical condition was actually serious enough for her to actually warrant the surrogacy process because the judge in that particular matter argued that she might have cystic fibrosis, but there's nothing wrong with her uterus. She can mm. still carry a baby. And we then had to bring medical evidence to the court to say, in fact, it would pay, pose such a huge medical risk to her condition and therefore she's unable to give birth to a child. Um, so th- these are generally the factors. Often women have some serious um, difficulties with their uterus and uh, this, this constantly rejects the embryos implanting and they have repeated um, miscarriages. That would also be a valid reason okay. for them to pursue the surrogacy route. Yeah, so if I, if I then get in touch with the surrogacy advisory board as a commissioning parent, and you'll, you'll clarify, you know, for the listeners, just so they understand, you know, who, who's who um, in, in the setup. As a commissioning parent, um, what yes. would the process actually entail? Okay, firstly, just on the definition of a commissioning parent, who is a commissioning parent? Mm. That is the parent who wants to utilize the services of a surrogate mother to carry their child. Mm. They are commissioning the surrogacy, in other words. The first thing that a commissioning parent would have to do is get hold of us online. And what we would generally like to do with them is we send them, firstly, a lot of information for them to read up read up on. And if they're very serious, they can come in and see myself or one of the volunteers. We can sit down with them or Skype with them if they're located anywhere else in the country other than Joburg or Cape Town. And um, we can then inform them over Skype as to how the process works. And then there's a whole legal aspect um, involving surrogacy, and that's where I come come to the fore because the the legal aspect is quite a big part of the the surrogacy application because you cannot proceed with the implantation of any embryos into your surrogate mother until such time as we've obtained high court approval to this effect. Yeah, and just maybe um, one of the things that I know parents might be concerned about is uh, the, the legal processes with regards to adoption. I mean, what happens, do, do you need to then, once the, the surrogate mother has given birth to the child, go through adoption processes as the commissioning parents? Okay, so what the new law brought into effect, the new law, the, um, the amendments which were done to the Children's Act came into effect on the 1st of April 2010. And the, the, the best part of, the, of this legislation was that adoption procedures are no longer required. And the minute we obtain the court order, and this is done up front, prior to any embryos being transferred into the uterus of the surrogate mother, the effect of that court order is actually a declarator order. We call it a declarator order in, court, in, in law. It declares the parents, the commissioning parents, to be the parents of that child as if they had given birth to the child themselves. Hmm. So there's no longer an adoption process. The minute that baby is born, that baby will be registered as the commissioning parent's child, and their names, both their names will appear on the birth certificate. The surrogate mother's name and her partner's name do not appear anywhere. I just want to clarify one aspect. Mm-hmm. There's one big exception to this rule, and that is the case when you use the surrogate mother's own genetic material. For example, when the commissioning parents also require an egg donor, 
And instead of utilizing the services of one or other of the egg donation agencies out there, they would prefer to use the eggs of the particular surrogate mother. Mm-hmm. And in that case, an adopt- it's not an adoption procedure that takes place, but once that baby is born, the surrogate mother has got 60 days to give notice to the court of her intention to keep this baby as her own. Right. So that's the exception to the rule. But if you are using an anonymous egg donor or a known donor of another person or your own eggs and your husband's sperm, then there is no issue at all. Okay. And you raised something interesting now, um, a surrogate mother having used their own egg um, having that you know, 60-day period to decide if they want to keep the baby for themselves. And that, that brings about another concern. What happens if you are, as commissioning parents, you know, you have the surrogate mother who is already pregnant with the child and halfway through the pregnancy decides they don't want to do this. Can they abort? The surrogate mother? Yes. Can the surrogate mother abort? Okay. So the one, the one big difficulty that I have with our present legislation is that although we've made all these wonderful amendments to our law to introduce surrogacy laws into South Africa, mm. um, the, the amendments to the Children's Act um, includes an exception which says that the surrogate mother's right to terminate is based on her right to termination in terms of the choice of termination of pregnancy act. Mm. And this is very problematic because we all know that as a woman in South Africa being pregnant, up until 12 weeks of pregnancy, you can abort that, you can have the choice of aborting that pregnancy. And this, this works in the same way with surrogacy, unfortunately, even though the surrogate mother is not carrying her own child. Mm. Or even if she is carrying using her own eggs and it is half her, her genetic material, she still has the right in terms of the choice of termination of pregnancy act to terminate this pregnancy. And but the only exception is that if she wants to terminate this pregnancy, she is obliged in law to have a consultation with the commissioning parents of her intention to do so. Okay. And they will then go through the process of counselling together before termination is undertaken. But she does ultimately have that absolute right. And a termination can take place even as far as beyond 20 weeks in the mm. pregnancy, which is quite sad for the commissioning parents. Yeah, and obviously at this point there's a contract that's already in place between the two of them, whether that be verbal or not. Ideally it is it is a written contract, right? And just talk to us about what would be in that contract should the, the surrogate mother decide to abort, what then happens to that agreement that is set between that that is set down between the, the commissioning parents and the surrogate mother? Firstly, there's always a written agreement that takes place between the commissioning parents, the surrogate mother, and her partner if she has one. So there are generally three or four parties, or sometimes, you know, there could even be as little as two parties if there's a single parent involved and a single surrogate mother. Mm. It's always reduced to writing, and it's always confirmed by the High Court of South Africa. Now, generally, one thing that we must take into account is that before we actually reach the contractual stage of the surrogacy agreement, prior to that, there's a lot of groundwork that takes place on the surrogate mother in terms of counselling. As a surrogacy advisory group, we will educate her. We're not trained counsellors, but we will educate her as far as possible, and we will make sure that she's 100% on board. And then the most important part in my mind of this whole procedure is a psychological evaluation that takes place prior to her entering into this contract. The psychologist will then go, go through a number of psychological and tests with her just to make sure that she is of sound mind, that she's perfectly capable of seeing this pregnancy through to the end. Mm. And during that psychological session, the issue of termination is raised over and over again because there are a number of scenarios that arise with termination. It's not only aborting a single um, pregnancy potentially, yeah. but because we are using in vitro fertilization techniques, 
there is a higher rate of multiple births mm. occurring. Mm. And in that event, what would happen? Would the surrogate mother be prepared to carry twins or triplets for the commissioning parent? And if would she then abort one of the child if it's more than two fetuses present? So all those issues are discussed up front, mm. and they are laid out in the contract. But ultimately, we can put all the we can put the agreement on paper. But ultimately, the surrogate mother does have the final say after she's been into had consultation with the commissioning parents on the actual termination. Yeah, there have been some issues in the country about, uh, and, and you'll maybe give me a bit of, of a history on this one. We'll do this when we come back from the break, though. Um, some issues and fears around, especially for commissioning parents, fears around the costs associated with surrogacy that um, in some instances surrogate mothers have used um, having that, you know, given birth to that baby and not having handed that baby over to try and extort money out of the commissioning parents. We'll talk a little bit more about what, what we have in place that protects commissioning parents from that taking place. Um, you can also send your SMSs if, I, if you have questions for my guest. Uh, send them to 34701. They're charged at just one rand. I'm chatting to Robin Friedman, um, a, attorney and chief advisor of the Surrogacy Advisory Board. You're still on the talk shop. 105.1, the home of SAFM in Johannesburg. Johannesburg. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. You talk, we listen. Talkbacks on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Naledi Muleo. You're tuned to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, chatting to Robin Friedman, attorney and chief advisor at the Surrogacy Advisory Board. Um, and we're asking, what does the law say about surrogacy and how common is surrogacy in South Africa? We've, we've, we've tackled that one. Um, before we went into that break, though, Robin, um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about costs associated with surrogacy in South Africa. Are there caps on how much one can be charged? Okay, so let's just clarify the charging aspect. Mm. Um, in South Africa, what we call commercial surrogacy, in other words, being paid for your services as a surrogate mother is highly illegal. So surrogate mothers in South Africa do not get paid, or they're not allowed to be paid. It's actually a criminal offense, so it's, it's really serious. We take it very seriously. So up front, all surrogate moms that apply online are educated about the fact that they have to, have to come forward altruistically because they really want to help a couple or a parent have a child. They are allowed to be reimbursed for what we call out-of-pocket expenses. Okay. Now, out-of-pocket expenses, obviously, any expenses that they take out of their pocket pertaining to the pregnancy and the surrogacy process directly, for example, vitamins, a limited amount of money for maternity clothing and her traveling expenses, etc. But it's a very conservative amount. So, you know, listeners out there, you're not going to enter into a surrogacy arrangement to make any, any kind of money mm. if it's illegal. Okay. All right. An SMS here that says, Hi, I'm a male and I have cystic uh, fibrosis. Would I be able to donate sperm for surrogacy if I, wif- or if I wish to have a child? I think he's not talking about donating, but using a sperm, um, you know, in a surrogate-type situation. Well, what um, what I would recommend in a case like that, and I'm not a medical doctor, but um, it would be very um, convenient for your listener to undergo pre-genetic screening of his actual um, of the actual embryos which are are formed, in order to um, try and see if they can do away with the cystic fibrosis um, gene. But as long as he understands the risks associated with passing on the cystic fibrosis condition to his offspring. It, I can't say outright that it should or shouldn't be okay because a judge may take issue with that and the mm. judge may say, look, this isn't in the best interests of, of the child. 
so it's 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 a bit it's 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 a very difficult and controversial 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 subject. Okay, who can become a, a surrogate mother? Anyone who is um, healthy can become a surrogate mother, but the one condition is that she must have children of her own, at least one living biological child of her own. In other words, she could not have had a child and given it given up this baby for adoption at some point in her life. She must be mentally and physically healthy. There are a number of blood tests which are performed on her, fertility related, and also your HIV and your sexually transmissible diseases um, the tests are also undertaken on her. And um, she must be clear of, of all of these conditions. Okay, and for the parents, what, what, what do they need to tick in the box? What's, what's the list they need to tick? Well, the parents, um, parents also have to undergo a psychological evaluation in order to show to the court that they are fit and, fit and proper parents. Mm-hmm. And um, at times we would send a social worker around to their house to investigate their home life. Um, they also, I've had a few cases recently where the judges have raised issue with the fact that the parents may or may not be too old. I've got a case recently where the judge questioned where my couple are in, in their late 40s. Um, is this too old to have a baby? And we now have got to bring forth um, case studies, etc., mm-hmm. to show um, to show that they are still um, fit and healthy to be proper parents. You have to show the court as a commissioning parent that you're financially able to support a child. You must also be in possession of life insurance um, because any child who will be born from the surrogacy process must be the nom- nominated beneficiary of his life in- in- insurance. You have to appoint guardians through the process in case both of you, 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 the husband and the wife, as commissioning parents, die during the surrogacy process before the baby is born. There's also police clearance checks which need to be undertaken. We're specifically looking for any sexual offences relating to children mm. that will be immediately disqualify you as a commissioning parent. And then obviously also the medical tests, um, the HIV sexually transmittable diseases testing, hepatitis testing, amongst others. Anything that can be um, potentially transmitted onto the surrogate mother, but these need to be tested from the outset. Okay, well, talk to us about your experience, Robin. I know that you you tried for 10 years uh, to have a baby, and you ended up having um, a baby as well through a surrogate mother. Yes, I did. Um, I, I, um, I had two surrogate mothers prior to um, my, my baby being born, mm-hmm. and um, unfortunately for me, I, we could never get our, our two surrogate mothers pregnant, but um, I think it was for good reason. I, my first surrogate mother was... was physically unhealthy and unfortunately the doctors weren't picking up that she had a sugar problem and there was mm. one failed implantation after the next very cost, costly and lengthy exercise yeah. and um, my second surrogate mother I then moved clinics um, to with her with my second surrogate mother and she was um, she she was she was really unfortunately motivated by the money and I, you know, I discovered this too late. And just before embryo trans, em, embryo um, embryos were transferred into mm. my surrogate mother, uh, I realised this fact when she had tried to extort some more money from us. Um, and fortunately, the the pregnancy didn't take, and I abandoned surrogacy for a number of years. And then met a very special and incredible woman who I knew I could absolutely trust, and mm. it was just absolutely successful from day one. We had a wonderful relationship. To this day, we still have a good relationship. We stay in contact. And she had a very easy pregnancy, and everything really went smoothly. It was one of those dream surrogacy stories. And um, as a result, I'm quite passionate about what I do. I've been through it myself, and I like to educate all my commissioning parents and surrogate mothers to avoid the pitfalls that I went through myself. 
just, just, I mean, a few mothers might have um, this question, and that might be, was it difficult for you to bond with the baby? Uh, you know, it's said that, that that bond between mother and child takes place during that nine months while the child is in the womb. Was, was, there, was there any difficulty there? I think that, um, you know, I can speak from two aspects. I, I also have two adopted um, daughters that I adopted from birth, and bonding was always a, it was always a nerve-wracking question, um, and I was always nervous about whether or not I'm going to bond with my adopted children. I must say, from a surrogacy perspective, bonding is a lot easier because you are involved from the start. Mm. You're involved with the artificial fertilization process and the implantation of those embryos, and you're going with your surrogate mother to her regular doctor's check, checkups. You see your baby growing in the scan and it's all exciting and, and wonderful you know along the way so you're constantly bonding with that baby and um, I had absolutely no issues bonding with my with my child with adoption it takes time to get to know this baby my mm. first baby I had absolutely no notification the next thing I had a baby it was absolutely wonderful but it took a few months for me to start learning um, to, to, to bond with my child. And what about detachment issues from the uh, the surrogate mother? Was it difficult for, for her to detach herself from the baby? You know, it generally, I think that's um, a fallacy. Um, mm. You must remember at the outset that surrogate mothers love being pregnant. They love the feeling of being pregnant and they really want to be pregnant again. But their big issue is that they, they can't have another child because their families are complete or they can't, for example, financially afford to keep another child. Mm. So giving up this baby is never really an issue for the surrogate mother. Um, her, her detachment issues generally occur with regards to the commissioning parents because this is a journey that you grow on together. And once the baby's born, the commissioning parents kind of leave with their baby and move on, move on and the surrogate mom is, is, is left barren. She's now devoid of that friendship and mm. that support system that she's had. And that's who she misses, the commissioning parents, but it's never about the baby, not in my experience anyway. Mm. Um, there's an SMS. Well, I'll read that SMS in just a moment. What What is it that that you? How was it that you'd explain this to your child? You know, in later stages, would you have that discussion, if at all? It's my um, my belief that honesty is always the the best policy. Mm. Um, my son, who is six years old, um, fully understands that he was born through um, a surrogate mother. And I, I believe that telling is very, very important. And for adoptive parents, telling from day one is also absolutely imperative. Because as soon as you start, don't tell and as soon as you don't talk about these things, then the children are very sensitive and they start to believe that there's a sense of shame shrouded in the surrogacy or adoption process. So my child was, was um, told from, you know, from very little that your mommy's surrogate baby. And there is a very simple way of explaining this to your, to your surrogate child yeah. you can use certain analogies mm-hmm. and if you'd like me to to elaborate yeah. um, you yeah. know what I've done and how I advise my um, my clients on the telling is I've told my child that mommy's mommy's tummy was broken and mommy had to get a tummy mommy to carry you in her tummy for daddy and I and um, we took mommy's eggs out and we took daddy's eggs out and we, we, the doctor took them into the laboratory and he put them back in the tummy mommy and she was like your kangaroo who oh, carried you sweet. in her pouch until you were born. And then we were at the hospital, and we took you from the, from the tummy mommy. Okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And it's, and it's cute, it's sweet, it makes perfect sense for a child. Yeah, you've got to bring it down to their level so that they understand. What was very nice in my process was that my two adopted girls were older, and I used to take them with to the scans so that they could also bond with their baby brother mm. in utero. And that was very important for them. 
to understand how this whole process worked. Right. An SMS that says, are black families open to the idea of surrogacy? Uh, do you meet black people who've decided on surrogacy as an option? And how does the extended family fit in? My experience of black families has been quite difficult. I have a number of black clients going through surrogacy. Mm. Um, I'm going to say the general rule is that the extended families, there's not a greater form of acceptance of surrogacy yet because mm. there are a lot of um, traditional values associated with giving birth to your own child within the black community and surrogacy is quite taboo. But as, as um, parents and extended families are becoming more educated about the process, so the acceptance start setting in. Generally, my surrogate, my black surrogate, and my, my black commissioning parents don't like to tell their extended families. I have had some black couples who have actually worn um, inserts or cushions um, and pretended to be Gosh. pregnant throughout the process um, because it has been very difficult for mm. their extended families. I've also had cases, you know, the extended families put a tremendous amount of pressure on the couple to have children. And I've had two cases already where um, the extended families have had meetings about the couple actually getting divorced because the, the, the commissioning mother could not fall pregnant. So they're under a tremendous amount of pressure. And then to go and add to that pressure and saying we're now using a surrogate mother mm. makes it even more difficult for them. But we, yes, there are plenty of black couples going through surrogacy. Whether it's openly or in closed doors, they are going through it and it's working very well. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, we, I have an SMS here that just reiterated some of the points you made earlier about, you know, because I was saying social surrogacy, an SMS that says, um, where is it now? Uh, Solomon Gladi in Peter Marisburg says uh, South African law supports surrogacy only for uh, gay and lesbian couples and only to those with medical problems, but the matter must go through the High Court of Approval. So just reiterating some of the points you made at the beginning of our discussion, and you talk about parents now needing to, you know, put on put in these little, what do you call them, inserts to pretend that they're pregnant for that nine-month period. Um, because of that, that the, 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 the amount of taboo that's attached with surrogacy. Just explain to perhaps, you know, family members or audiences that are listening the, the importance of the service and, and how it actually is it's doing such a massive and great service for some of these mothers. Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, we must throw the taboos of surrogacy out with the bathwater and, you know, times are changing and we're not asking everybody to accept everything that's out there. But when you're bringing a child into the, into the world, it is an amazing, amazing gift that this woman is giving to a potential parent, to mm. potential parents who have no other way of ever conceiving a biological child. So, you know, unless they're going to go the adoption route, and we all know, especially in the black culture, there are many, many complicated taboo issues surrounding adoption as well. Surrogacy, in this respect, is, is a lot easier for the couple because potentially at least they are using either the husband's sperm or the, or the woman's egg, which will then be fertilized to be transferred into a surrogate mother. And it is an amazing gift. Surrogate mothers are incredible women. They're there to help people. They mm. are angels. There's no bigger gift that you could ever give a couple than the gift of a child. It's the gift of life. Only God can do that. Yeah. Um, uh, I have another SMS from a gentleman here that says, Hi, thanks for the show, for the great show. Thank you. Um, I'm a single male and would like a surrogate mother and egg donor. Is this a possibility? 
definitely a possibility. Our law does not discriminate discriminate against single parents or couples. I've had many, many applications go through the High Court successfully where we have a single parent involved. Now, if you're a single male, you must just be sure that your sperm is viable because you have to contribute at least your genetic material to the surrogacy process. Now, as long as he's producing his own sperm and we could get an anonymous egg donor, that mm. could be then the resultant embryos could then be transferred into the uterus of the surrogate mother. What's interesting on that point is that we are very busy with a constitutional court challenge to challenge this particular aspect of the law where you have to contribute at least either the other of the commissioning parents' gamuts. And what we have done is we've already won the case in the High Court. We're now taking it to the Constitutional Court this year. What we are asking the court is to do away with this law where we have to use other of the parties' genetic material because mm. there are many couples out there who cannot contribute eggs and who cannot contribute sperm for mm. medical or other reasons. They don't have good quality sperm. The woman is older. She doesn't produce good quality eggs. And they would then need donor egg, donor sperm to be implanted in a surrogate mother. So the way the law stands at the moment is that those couples are precluded from using the services of a surrogate mother. Mm. Willie and Christiana says, now listen to this, I like this surrogacy because it creates a memorandum of understanding amongst myself, my woman, and the other woman who can now also become my second wife, isn't it? Um, you know what? I, I often wonder about the relationships that go that go around. You often find in the in the relationships between the commissioning parents and the surrogate mother, it depends who is the driving force. You know, with um, behind the surrogacy, I sometimes find that there's one partner that's more keen on the surrogacy, and if it's the male, then it becomes kind of his second wife. You know, mm. because he has to listen to her hormonal problems day in and day out, and her mood swings and her nausea, etc. But, I mean, they're very patient, and because it's your own baby, you know, they're very sympathetic and empathetic towards the surrogate mothers. Okay. Now, Medici Kobane in the Eastern uh, Free State says, um, age restrictions, what are the age restrictions when practicing surrogacy? So you can talk about both commissioning parents and uh, surrogate mothers, I think. Okay. In terms of the commissioning parents, there's no set age limit at all. But, you know, I wouldn't, I'd be very loath to bring an application to the High Court where you have one or other of the commissioning parents well into their late 60s because then we start wondering whether or not this is in the best interest of a child to come mm. into the world. So generally, um, I don't normally push it beyond the mid-50s. But um, so far, all these applications have gone through in terms of um, that age limit, barring that one application I spoke of earlier. But we are busy dealing with that evidence, and I'm quite certain that we will get it through the court. In terms of the surrogate mother, when a surrogate um, applies online to, to us, I, I don't ever question her age because I've seen too much. I've seen a 48-year-old and a 52-year-old surrogate mother who are in impeccably good health. Mm. They've got amazing bodies. They are fit as anything. And they're not in menopause. They're doing fantastically well. And as long as I leave that up to the doctors, as long as the medical practitioners are happy with the condition of her uterus and then she's generally sent on for onto a specialist, um, for particularly to make sure that she doesn't have any sort of heart complications. Mm. And if she's clear of all that, we will use a much older surrogate mother. Okay. There are advantages using an older surrogate mom too. Just give us the, the website perhaps or contact details to get in touch with the Surrogacy Advisory Board. You can just contact Surrogacy and you can Google Surrogacy South Africa or the um, Surrogacy, Advisory, Surrogacy Advisory Group mm -hmm. or Robin Friedman Attorneys. Okay, Robin Friedman Attorneys, R-O-B-Y-N-N-E, 
F and Friedman, F R I E D M A N, attorneys, or Google surrogacy SA Robin.